Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Amen, amen. Glad you guys are here again today. Just super thankful for this weather, huh? Isn't this beautiful? Man, not too sunny and not too cold, kind of just right. I feel like we're at, uh, what's the story, of Goldilocks, you know, and the porridge kind of thing. Uh, man, uh, we took a, we took a, just a, in a, I don't know, a wild just uh, step of faith, man, to do this. Um, I don't know if you know my story a little bit, and I'm not going to bore you with that, but uh, man, I'm not really from, from Texas. Uh, I got here as quick as I could, as the, the saying goes. Uh, but man, when uh, I first moved to Round Rock, I was doing some church planning up there, and then the Lord called me uh, to LaGrange. And when I came to LaGrange, I remember one of the first things I did was, is I came to Leopard Stadium on a Friday night to watch the football uh, team play. And man, I just love uh, football, love uh, high school football especially. And I remember I was sitting about right there where, where you are, sir, in that area, and uh, it was my first Friday night football game, and I'm telling you, I was just sitting there, and the Lord said to me, he said, Steve, this is really where I want you to do an Easter service. And so that was almost four years ago. And so, man, COVID happened, and a lot of other things happened. And so, man, the Lord just gave me this, this dream. I, I'm kind of really today, like, dumb that you're here. <laughs> Because, you know, you take a big risk. I mean, who, who's going to come to a football stadium for a little old church like ours as we just try to reach out to our community and just love people, man? And so we just try to do something different. And so I'm just glad that you're here this morning. Uh, really, I'm really looking forward to connecting with you kind of over there when we do the egg hunt. And, uh, I mean, just watching your kids have a lot of fun. And my kids have some fun. My grandkids having some fun. And adults, uh, if you want some eggs, I'm sure there'll be some afterwards. We can let you have some. Uh, and speaking of kids, uh, imagine if you had uh, a five or six-year-old today. And uh, let's just say you, you had a, a box of those Crayola crayons that the 48-pack. You know those big ones, right? The, the big major pack with like the built-in sharpener on the side or, uh, you know, back going to old school. Yeah, man, that's good stuff. And, uh, man, all those new colors, you know, like, like uh, you know, the greens that are just, you know, like puke green and all that kind of stuff. And uh, let's say right now if we had those, uh, those, those Crayola crayons for your five or six-year-old, and you had some paper like we gave you a coloring set and, and ask your five or six-year-olds to color today, what colors do you think they would use to color an Easter picture? Well, if, you know, they're the typical kids, and your kids don't have to be typical, trust me, that's okay not to be, but the average kid would probably pick some greens and some blues, and some, I say yalla, I don't know what y'all say, but, and some yallas, and, and some pinks, and some pastels, uh, the colors of Easter, right? I mean, that's kind of what we know, and I noticed that I'm colorblind, but I noticed a lot of you have some of those uh, colors on, at least that's what my friends tell me that you're wearing, and so... Uh, most likely Easter is full of bright colors. It's, it's those colors of happiness, joy, and peace. 
But, but I want you to think about something with me. Just consider something with me here today. Uh, man, I'm not so sure if you'd ask the disciples to color Easter, if they would have used the colors that were really the yellows and the pastels and the bright colors. I think they would have taken out some really different colors. You see, on, even on that Easter morning, if you would have asked them, even after knowing that Jesus had been risen from, uh, had been raised from the dead, I still think they would have been coloring with a different set of colors. Maybe some dark grays, some browns, possibly even black. Because their emotions at Easter were very different. I mean, after, after even knowing the tomb was, was empty, they experienced confusion. They were living in, in a lot of fear. They were living with some sorrow. And really, guys, they didn't know what to do next. But here's what I love. They had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus and that resurrected Jesus changed everything about them. He changed their emotions. He changed them. He changed their lives. And I've been praying a lot about this. This has been about a four-year deal for me to pray. And here's what I, maybe I know about you that you don't know that I know. I'm pretty sure that some of you came in this morning and you're struggling with some type of doubt in your life. Some of you here today, man, you're doubting, and I'm not trying to get into your business, but maybe you're even doubting if your marriage is going to make it another month. Maybe you're doubting today whether you're going to have the finances to feed your family over the next couple of months. Maybe you're even doubting that what we're saying is really true, and you're just doing this because it's what you do. You don't want to be rude. And I want you to know, man, that I'm glad you're here. I know that a lot of you in the, in the, in the house today, I know that you've probably come here today, but you've got some shattered hopes. I can tell you today, man, I mean, I got seven daughters, and I can tell you this, as sure as I'm standing here, the dreams that I've had for my daughters, I've got some shattered dreams. Everything hasn't turned out the way Daddy wanted it to. I mean, I got, some, I got a broken heart. I've got some expectations that have been just completely annihilated. Maybe, maybe you do too, and, and I don't really know sometimes what to believe. I'm experiencing sorrow over those things. Maybe you're here today, you're going through some painful circumstances. Maybe you're just like those disciples. You're filled with fear. You're filled with uncertainty. And, and really, here's the big question maybe they were asking and maybe you're asking. Where is God in all this? I mean, if you're not careful, man, you get caught up in the political landscape of what's going on today, and you can very quickly ask that question, especially of even Christians. I mean, where is God? And what's going down in Tennessee, like what's, what's going on in the White House, what's going on, all the school shootings, where is God? I mean, it's a good question. And so if you're like me, you ask that question, where is God? But here's really what you're asking. That's kind of like the symptom question, but really the core issue questions are these. Does anyone really know? Does anyone really see? And does anyone even care? And then on top of that, if they see, know, and care, can anybody change or do anything about what they know, see, and care? I want to let you know, man, the disciples of Jesus were experiencing some of those same things. And, and, and they encountered, though, a resurrected Jesus, and he changed everything. And if you have a copy of God's Word, man, I'm going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. And Here's a good news. You can pull out your phones right now, and our church won't think you're weird or disrespectful. We do it every Sunday, man. We're, we're a digital church. It's okay. You can bring out. If you've got a hard copy of God's Word, and, and you're like, man, I brought it today. I don't even know where Luke is. 
And if you just open it up to the New Testament, it'll start in Matthew, and then it'll go Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. And then those big numbers, 24, will tell you that the chapter that we're in. And I want to just tell you today, just real quickly, how Jesus changes things. How Jesus changes things. I want to begin in Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Okay, we got, we got some people in the house today. It's okay. You know, I want you to read verse 1 with me. It says, But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they, say they, yeah, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, who, who are they? Well, these are the women, exactly. These are the women who followed Jesus in Galilee, and now they're in Jerusalem. And, and many were close by Jesus as he died on that Good Friday, right? And many people there watched as Joseph of Arimathea taking Jesus' body down and placed it in a, in a borrowed tomb. They watched as that stone was put in place, and the tomb was put over that, and it was sealed. And then after Passover and the Sabbath, they went to the tomb. So let's pick up in verse 2. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Verse 4. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, say it with me, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. So, so they came to the empty tomb. They saw Jesus wasn't there. They heard and saw that the angels brought this message that Jesus had risen just as he said, but yet they're still perplexed and they're frightened because they didn't know what had happened. They go back and they talk with the other disciples about it, and they don't understand either. So look at verse 12. Jump down to verse 12. Now Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at what had happened. This is interesting because Peter runs up, he looks in, saw the tomb was empty, and Jesus' body was missing, and he goes home and he's like, what has happened? I mean, right in front of his very eyes, there's an empty tomb and there was a missing body. And Peter hadn't seen the resurrected Lord yet. And, but in the hours that followed, Jesus shows up and changes everything about every single one of his disciples. He changes their emotions. He changes their outlook. He changes who they were. I wonder right now, would you just pray really quick with me as we spend another about 15 minutes digging into some truths that were found in the rest of this passage. Would you just pray with me super quickly? Lord God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart that we may see wonderful things from your word. And I pray, Lord, today that you would speak encouragement and strength to those who know you. And for those who don't know you, that today you would show them that you love them and that they really need your forgiveness and salvation. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. i got about three things to share with you through the rest of the scripture here. And, and here's the first thing. When I am struggling, Jesus can change me by showing me his precepts. When I'm struggling, Jesus can change me by showing his precepts. You're saying, where do you find that? Well, look in verse 13. Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. One of these disciples we know later on in the passage is named Cleopas. And these guys were talking about what has happened. They're sad and they're perplexed. And they're trying to figure out what's happened. But Jesus meets with them 
and walks with him on the road, they don't know who he is, and this is important. They don't know who he is, and they're prevented from recognizing who he is. And Jesus comes up, and he begins to ask them some questions. Jump down to verse 17. And he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another and, and as you're walking there? Now watch this. And still, they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered it and said to him, this is so funny. This is humor in the Bible. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and aware of the things which have happened here in these days? Can you imagine asking Jesus that question? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. <laughs> These guys are trying to explain to Jesus about Jesus. They're like, hey, you don't know what's going on? It's about this guy named Jesus. Haven't you heard? And 16 tells us that their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So they're like, well, we're going to give you some... We're going to give you some tips. Jesus came from Nazareth. He did mighty deeds. He taught like nobody else did. He told us things we'd never heard. He ministered to us, but yet he was condemned to die by our chief priest, and then he was crucified. Now, here's where I want you to put your eyes on the, on the text. Verse 21, look there with me. Verse 21, the text says this, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. You see, we had watched and we had hoped. We'd hoped that this one was going to be the one to make everything right. We were hoping this was going to be the one that was going to change things. But their hopes were dashed when he hung upon the cross. They felt discouraged. They were disappointed. And that led to deep, deep doubt. They were struggling. I mean, these guys were struggling, guys, and they were wondering, does anyone care? Does anyone know? Does anybody see? And can anybody change it? But Jesus did. Because back up in verse 15, we see that while they were walking and discussing, Jesus himself approached them and began traveling with them. Can I tell you today that, man, in your struggle, Jesus knows about your struggle. Jesus sees your struggle. Jesus cares about your struggle. And he wants to come alongside of you and walk with you on this, this path of life. And he wants to listen to your struggles. He wants to listen as you share your shattered dreams, hopes, and expectations. But here's something I want you to even know, really down in the depths of your heart. Listen to me. Here's what we find out from these disciples. You can even share with Jesus your struggles about Jesus. That's what they were doing. They were saying, we'd hope that this was the one who was going to fix everything. But, but man, he died. Where is he? They were complaining and sharing their frustrations with the Messiah, with the Messiah. And I want you to know today that you can do that. You can tell Jesus your problems with him. You can share who you, who you think he really is and how he's let you down. You, you can be that honest with him. But listen to me, when you share your struggles and when you're struggling, Jesus will share something with you. He'll share his precepts with you. Look in verse 22. It says, but some women among us amazed us. And when we were there at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they'd all seen a vision of the angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the woman who said, but him they did not see. 
It's crazy. They're standing before the risen Jesus. The tomb is empty. The body's missing. Their hopes are gone. They're struggling with all this. They're struggling with all this. And then Jesus says something. Listen, it seems so condescending, but listen. Verse 25, he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets who explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. You see, Jesus, when you're struggling, he shares with you his precepts. He takes you back to what is true. He takes you back to what cannot be broken. He takes you back to the hopes. If you put your hope in this word, you will never be disappointed. He takes you back to show you that when you're struggling, there's something you can hold on to. There's something that is true. There's something you can trust. And that is the Word of God Himself. The Old Testament tells us that the Messiah would suffer, that He would be beaten, that He would be mocked, that He would be stripped, that He would be spit upon, and then He would enter into His glory. The Bible says that the Son of God took the Word of God and explained the things about Himself to them. So Jesus replaces their doubts in their mind and their struggles with His Scriptures. He points everything back to the thing that never changes and the truth of God's Word. So listen, when you need something to change, go to the one thing that never changes. And that's God's Word. You see, maybe you're here this morning and you need to ask Jesus to reveal Himself to you. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, I don't even really know if I really believe all this stuff. And here's what I can tell you. When you ask God to show you his son, he's going to do it. He's going to take his word and he's going to show you his son. He does it over and over again. I'm not going to preach a, a lot here, but I just want to tell you, man, from Genesis and the first promise through the 39 books of the Old Testament, the 333 specific prophecies concerning Jesus being the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled all 333 of them. In Isaiah, he's prophesied as a servant who would bore in his own body the grief and sorrow and sin of all people. And Zechariah, it's prophesied that he would be the one whom they would pierce. And Malachi, he's the risen one of righteousness with healing in his rings. When you ask God to show you, you will see his son revealed in his Bible. Because listen to me, God's son Jesus is always on God the Father's heart. And because he's always on God's heart, he keeps showing up in God's word. And when you're struggling, Jesus would take you back to the Word of God because it's the one thing that helps you in your struggle. I remember reading a story about at the turn of the 20th century, this great French artist, Claude Monet, took three journeys to London, England. And while he was there on each of his trips, he painted over 40 different scenes of a Waterloo Bridge. The Waterloo Bridge kind of stretched across the Thames River, and you'd think that all 40 of his paintings would be the same. You'd think he goes there and sees the same thing. He would paint the same thing these 40 different times, but, but they weren't really the same. The lighting had changed. There was fog over some of them. It was mist. The colors were different. The textures were changed. Every painting was different, but yet it was, was the same because the subject was always the same. I want you to know the same is true of the Bible. The texture changes, the, the settings change, the historical settings change, the people change, but the subject is always the same. And in your life, there are going to be some things that, that are going to show up 
that you don't want. You're going to struggle, and it's not always going to be sunny. There's not going to be beautiful days. It's not always going to be where you can see everything clearly. It's not always going to be blue skies and no clouds in life. But when you are struggling, the one thing that stays the same is the subject, and his name is Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is alive and forever will be. So on this Easter, if you're struggling, can I just give you some hope? Jesus Christ can change you. And he can step into your struggle by showing his precepts. Secondly, the second thing is, is when I'm sorrowful, Jesus can change me by showing his presence. Not just show me his precepts, but he'll, he'll change me by showing his presence. Verse 17, if you go back in the text, look at verse 17, and then we'll jump down to 28. Verse 17 says, And he, meaning Jesus, said to them, What are these words you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. You see, when I am sorrowful, only when I'm struggling, but when I'm sorrowful, Jesus shows up with his presence. Look in verse 28. And when they approached the village where they were going, he acted as if he was going further. But they urged him, watch this, stay with us. For it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. <laughs> Jesus would have gone on. You're not with me. I know you're not, because I'm up here and looking at this and not prepared. But, but, but can I just tell you this? Jesus would have went on if they hadn't stopped and asked him to stay. And I want you to know that Jesus is here this morning. Because if you didn't bring him with you, I brought him with me. And he would pass you by this morning too if you don't invite him to stay. Can I just tell you this morning that Jesus wants to come in and stay with you. Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He, he wants to bless you. He wants to come inside of you and turn everything in your life for His good and for His glory. But you have to invite Jesus into your sorrow. You have to invite Jesus into your struggles. You have to invite Jesus into your life. And listen, before this message is over and we're done here today, I believe that Jesus is going to come by and He's going to knock on the door of your heart. And it's going to be up to you to invite him in. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a few moments. I really am. Verse 30, the Bible says this, when he reclined at the table with him, he took the bread and blessed it, breaking it, he began giving it to them. Now, everybody read out loud with me. If you have a copy of God's word, verse 31, let's just read it together. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Now, they recognize him. Do you see it? Did you see it? Now, now they recognize him. See, a lot of people want to say, hey, Jesus, prove yourself to me and then I'll trust you. But you've got to trust him and then he'll prove himself to you. You've got to invite him in first before you recognize even what's going on. That's called faith. You've got to trust in who he is. This is, this is very unusual not that they would break bread, that Jesus would do what the host would normally do. The host would normally serve the people and break the bread and say the prayer. But Jesus takes it, blesses it, and breaks it and gives it to them. And then 
they, they recognized him. Their, their eyes were opened. To recognize here means to understand fully. Suddenly the scales fell off their eyes. Whatever was keeping them earlier from, from understanding who he was, now they recognized him. And I pray that that would happen today. I pray that you're like, I came in here, I don't know what happened, but now I see Jesus clearly. Something changed. I pray that for you. But then look in verse 32. Then they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us <laughs> while he was speaking to us on the road, while he's explaining the scriptures to us? You see, when they recognized who he was, they also recognized what he had been up to. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us and opened the scriptures? That word burn, it literally means for a flame to be ignited. And you know a flame gives both light and it also gives both heat and warmth. And when you allow Jesus in, he will bring light into your darkness and warmth to your coldness, aloneness, and your sorrow. When you invite Jesus into your life, when you put your faith in who he is and what he's done on the cross and through his resurrection, he will bring his presence into your pain. Suddenly he comes in and changes everything. The darkness of sorrow was changed by the light of his presence. Jesus Christ can take your burdened heart today and make it a burning heart that's alive and well. You see, when we're sorrowful, Jesus changes us by showing us his presence. Maybe you're in that season right now that's filled with a lot of loss, pain, and sorrow. I mean, I've got some friends here who, who yesterday just realized that a very young person in their life was taken away from them. They're, they're walking through the valley of sorrow. Maybe you've lost loved ones. Maybe you've lost a relationship. Maybe it was just last night your girlfriend broke up with you. Maybe you just lost a, your favorite job. You, you missed an opportunity. Maybe you're like me, you're here today and you're struggling with your health. You're not as healthy as you thought you were. Can I let you know that Jesus is alive and he sees and he cares and he knows. And he can change you, he can minister to your broken heart. Back in the 19th century again, you can tell I'm a history buff. There's this minister by the name of John Todd and when he was six years old, John, John Todd's parents suddenly died. Both of his parents were killed. But he had this aunt who took him in, and, and he stayed with her until he, he was an adult, and he trained for ministry. But as his aunt grew older, she became very sick, and she was concerned about what was going to happen to her when she died. So she writes her nephew, John Todd, and she said, John, can you tell me, would death mean the end of everything, or should I hope for something beyond? And John writes his aunt a long letter back, and he says this. He says, it's been 35 years since I was six-year-old. And I lost my mom and my dad, but remember, you invited me to come live with you. And I remember to the station in your town how disappointed I was that you yourself didn't come for me, but you sent somebody else to come for me. Remember Mr. Caesar? He came to me, and he got me on his horse. And I got on that horse, and we headed to your house, and we rode. It became darker and darker, and I became more frightened and concerned that, that when I got to your house, you wouldn't see me. So I asked Mr. Caesar, I said, Mr. Caesar, is she even going to be awake when we get there? Mr. Caesar said, you wait. He says, when we get through these woods in the clearing, you're going to see your aunt's house, and you're going to see a candle in the window showing that she's there for you. And sure enough, in the horizon, I saw that candle. I jumped off my horse. And Aunt, you were there for me at the door. You welcomed me in. There was a fire in the fireplace and warm food on the stove. And I knew I was welcome. So he says, beloved Aunt, 
when death comes to you, don't fear the summons. Don't fear the messenger. Don't fear the journey. Because there's a light that shines for you in Jesus. And when you get home, he's going to welcome you in. Guys, I'm here today to tell you that Jesus Christ, God's perfect son, went into the darkest part of the valley of the shadow of the death. And as he died on that cross, he bore all of our sins. He paid for all of our sins in his own body. He was put in a very dark tomb where he laid the first day, he laid the second day, but on that third day, as we're celebrating today, Jesus Christ rose again with an eternal resurrection, with eternal life for all who would trust in him. He has turned on a light in the valley of the shadow of death, and that light shines brightly, and that bright light shines warmly for all who trust in him. And you today do not have to fear death because Jesus is alive. Beloved, when you are sorrowful, Jesus will show up and make his presence known to you. He has conquered everything you're sorrowful about today, and he's willing to come in. And my question for you as we begin to close this message is this. Will you just invite him in to be your Lord? Will you give him ownership of your life? Will you turn from your sin? Will you turn from that and turn and trust Jesus? Because he will come in and change everything. I'm going to give you that chance here in less than five minutes. When I'm struggling, Jesus can change me, shows me his precepts. When I'm sorrowful, Jesus can, can, can change me by showing his presence. But thirdly, lastly, very quickly, when I'm scared, Jesus can change me by showing his power. When I'm scared, Jesus can change me by showing his power. It's after these two disciples in Emmaus realized that they had seen Jesus, they got up and went back to Jerusalem. And there they found the other disciples talking about everything that had happened. So verse 36, something crazy happens. While they're up there in a locked room and they're scared to death, they're out of their minds scared, Jesus himself stood in their midst in verse 36 and says to them, peace to you. You see, when you're scared, the Prince of Peace shows up and shows you that he's got the power to overcome anything that you're, you're scared about. When your doubts have amassed, when it seems as everything has been lost and there's no hope, Jesus shows up and speaks peace. He's the only one who can speak peace and bring peace to whatever it is you're going through. In verse 38, it says this, and he said to them, why are you troubled? Why are doubts arise in your heart? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and feet. And while they stood, you, you've got a book. While they still could not believe it because of their joy and amazement, he said to them, y'all got some lunch? Did you see that? It's not a ghost. It's not a vision. It's not a hallucination. It's a resurrected Lord. He calms them. Their fears are doubts. He ministers them and changes them, reminding them of his power. Listen, guys. I'm alive. Death did not conquer me. Hell couldn't keep me. Satan, you can't, you can't stop me. Sin has nothing on me. I am resurrected. I am living and I am the all-powerful one. There is nothing that I can't do. And this message of his death and his burial and his resurrection wasn't just for those disciples. Jesus says to them that they are now there to go out and to share this with everybody else. Jesus says, you should go out and be my witnesses. Verse 8, you are witnesses in verse 48 of these things. I'm a witness. 
Man, can I just tell you today that Jesus Christ has literally transformed me? Can I today tell you that I've experienced his forgiveness of all my sin? That I've repented, and, and that means to change the way I think and the way I live, and I've trusted fully in the name of Jesus? I'm not here today to tell you that I'm perfect, but I can tell you that I'm forgiven. I have a personal, a personal, daily, alive, and well relationship with Jesus. I have hope. I have certainty. I have eternal life. I have no fear of judgment. I've been brought from death to life. I've been given joy. And, and just like Jesus sent them out of share, that message of his resurrection and victory over death and sin, that's why we are gathered here today. We're doing what he told us to do. And when you believe this message about Jesus and turn from your sin and trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, you can be changed just like me. Look there in verse 45, it says this. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That's the, the change Jesus brings. In verse 52, it says they, they couldn't believe it because of their joy and amazement. That's the change Jesus brings. And now in verse 53, if you look there, the last the verse here, it says, and they were continually in the temple praising God. Listen, now they're not afraid, locked up in a room. They're at the temple telling everybody about their Jesus. That's what Jesus does. When you are scared, he shows up and shows you his power. I want to be clear about something. As our band begins to make their way up here, I want to be clear about something. If you haven't paid attention to me, that's great. I'm not the world's best preacher, but I can tell you this, there is no other gospel. I'm going to be clear about something. Listen to me right now. Zone into me. Knowing the truth about Jesus and accepting what you know to be true is not the same thing as turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus. Just because you believe this to be true is not the same thing as allowing Jesus to come into your life and turning from your sin. There's a lot of people, and the demons believe what I'm telling you is true. It has never changed their life. Let me just tell you what repentance really is. Repentance means a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of direction. To change your mind about who Jesus is. So today you say, I believe, Jesus, you are God's son, and you died on the cross to pay for my sin. A change in my heart. I don't want to continue in my sin. I trust you, Jesus, you alone, to save me from my sin, and I'm willing to turn from my sin. And that will lead to a change in eternity. As I told you, I'm kind of not from these parts, but man, I love these parts. I'm actually from Virginia. But I'm from the part of Virginia where Virginia, North Carolina, and Tennessee kind of all come together. And up there in the mountains, there's this place called Grandfather Mountain. Anybody ever been to Grandfather Mountain out there? Anybody? Hey, thank you, brother. Love you, brother. I know you have. <laughs> Grandfather Mountain is a, this beautiful place up in North Carolina. They've got a rope bridge up there. It's a good old-fashioned rope bridge that's made of these ropes, and it's got these slats, and it goes across this this crazy 200-foot, 80-foot deep chasm. It's crazy. It's probably one of the unsafest things that America's ever done. That rope bridge has been there since 1952. 
Now, many people in my family have crossed that bridge. I remember being there at Grandfather Mountain, being way up in the mountains, going to go between two mountain ridges and this like a mile just crevice and you're just on this piece of string. I just blew my mind. And, and, and I remember being there and watching my uncles go across the thing and they went the 200 you know, yards across and I'm scared to death. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Because if you step out back in those days, the, there was like this much space between the slats. And I'm a little kid, and that's a long way. And I'm scared, but I, but I remember watching my family, my, some of my uncles and my cousins go, and, and they got there, and they turned around, Stephen, come on, come on. And I'm like, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And I began to cry. You know how little boys are when they want to be macho, but they're not, and there and then I remember some other people who weren't in my family they went on and they were about halfway ahead of me and they, they were walking and now I tried to take a step and it was shaking like that and it just petrified me and, and everybody behind me was saying Steve just just go the, the bridge will hold you I mean the bridge is going to get you across all the other people don't you see you can do it just go Steve and the other little kids they're doing it and I, and I can remember just being so afraid And I'm here today to tell you guys, listen to me, just because your other friends and family have made it to the other side, you will not get there unless you take the steps of faith necessary. You're going to have to trust the bridge to get to the other side. There's only one bridge, and his name is Jesus Christ, and you got to take a step of faith and put all your weight and all your hope on him. That Jesus Christ, you died for me. Jesus Christ, you were raised for me. You are the only way that I'm getting to heaven. You're the only way that I'm going to get to the other side. You're the only way that I'm going to get my sins forgiven. You're the only way. And I have to trust you. And it doesn't matter how many other people went ahead of you. It's not going to matter. They can't take you. They can't carry you. You've got to take the step of faith yourself today. And that's what I'm asking you to do, is to take that step of trust. It's one thing to say, my kids love the Lord, my family loves the Lord, I agree with Jesus being the only way, I believe that Jesus was in the grave, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. It's still possible to believe that and stay on this side of the bridge. It's still possible to stay on this side of the bridge, even believing all that. Because it's not just belief, it's also trust and faith that moves you to put all that you are in Jesus. In other words, the Bible says this, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what we get, the Bible says, is the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus. So today, will you personally, listen to these words, personally, intentionally, willingly, knowingly, Give your heart and your life to Jesus and trust him. Because when you do, that's when this thing really changes your life. That's a message to trust and believe. That's a message to share with others. So if you're disappointed, you're disillusioned, defeated, discouraged, hopeless, looking for something real to base your life on, I just can tell you just from one brother trying to tell you, just invite Jesus in and he'll change you for all eternity. 
So I wonder right now, would you just out of respect for the room, and if you don't believe what we believe, hey man, that's cool. I'm not going to ask you to, to do something you don't want really to want to do or want to believe. But I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ has been through this, this, these stands today knocking on people's hearts. I believe it. So just out of respect right now, would you just bow your heads with me and, and we're just going to pray together a little bit. And, and I mean this, man, just give people the privacy that they need. But is there anybody in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the stands today that would say, man, I need to invite Jesus in. I need to ask him to forgive me. I need right now to turn from my sin and ask Jesus to have mercy on me and to save me. Right now, if that's what you want to do, right now, if you feel the conviction of God, it's been different than anything you've ever experienced in your life. Right now, you can sense that God is doing something in your heart. I wonder if you'd pray with me right now. This is a prayer. Prayer does not save you. Jesus does. You're going to be trusting this prayer. You're going to be trusting the one you're praying to. You just pray something like this. Just, just say it from your heart. Jesus, I believe that you died to pay for my sin. You just say that to him. I know that I have sinned against you. I confess to you that I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died. I believe that you were buried. And I believe that you were raised again to give me life. Please forgive me and come into me and save me from my sin. If you mean that from the bottom of your heart, I want you to know the man Jesus Christ came in and you'll know, you'll know the change. But over here to my left, it'd be your right. Over here to my left, there's some people over there. Why don't y'all wave at me? Everybody look over there. See those beautiful people over there? If you have any questions about that, about that prayer, you want to talk to some other people, we'd love to help you take some next steps. And while we're singing here in just a second, I wonder if you just kind of go over there to that section and talk to those people. They'd love to pray with you.